Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I'm so thrilled that you are joining me. Today I have a very special guest, Courtney Nafis. I am so happy to have Courtney on because I have been burdened and just feeling compelled to give space for people to tell their stories, to testify of God's goodness, of what He's doing, the things He has done, uh, the healing He's brought, the freedom He's brought, and Courtney's story is powerful. Courtney was an atheist until Jesus met her in her living room while she was folding clothes. and. I just love this story because it brings hope and encouragement that God is moving, that He's speaking, and that He is pursuing us. Um, So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I hope that you're encouraged by this conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Gina. Welcome. To the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so grateful that you agreed to have a conversation with me. We met at Mountain View Church in San Juan, and I think it was at a worship night. Yeah, that's it right. It was at a worship night. It was. Night. I wasn't even thinking about this, but it was at a worship night. And I came up to you crying. You came up to me crying, and <laughs> it was so sweet because you were in this place, and I, we're going to get to your story, but so overwhelmed by Jesus and his love for you and a burden for others that you you were like it was like you were fit to be tied like mm-hmm. you were bursting at the seams wanting to let people know wanting to share the good news wanting to do something anything to just shout from the rooftops who Jesus is. And it was so sweet and so precious, and we got to pray, and the Lord spoke, and it was really powerful. But then I got to know you a little bit more and heard your story. And we were talking just before we started recording how I'm feeling this urge or this longing for testifying, like testimonies, hearing the life-saving, life-changing, transformational move of Jesus in the lives of people. And not that we don't do that. I mean, my whole podcast is is that to a degree, but really just the, this is where I was. I met Jesus and everything changed (laughs) and nothing aside from the power of God Mm -hmm. could have done that. And I think we're in a season in the church with the last three years and deconstruction and wanting to right a lot of the wrongs that have caused a lot of harm and hurt. And yes, that's good and true, but I feel this kind of wake up, like fix our eyes on Jesus. He is on the throne. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's conquered uh, sin and death and he is on the move and he is revealing himself to people Mm -hmm. and he is moving in miraculous ways. And you are testimony of that. So I would love for you to share your story. Maybe share a little bit of your upbringing and background, the home you lived in, faith, that was or wasn't there, and then bring us to how you met the Lord. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Riverside, California, and I'm one of seven girls. That's crazy. <laughs> Your poor dad had so much estrogen. <laughs> he's, he's a better man for it, <laughs> but uh, in the patience of a saint, for sure. So I'm second to last, so I was the baby for 10 years, and then my little sister was born. We did not grow up with any kind of faith whatsoever. Honestly, God was not 
ever mentioned in our home one way or another. The only exposure I really had was around seven years old. We went and visited my grandmother on my dad's side, who was a strong woman of faith Hmm. and a woman of strong faith, I should say. She would have us read out of a I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a book with red letters. <laughs> I, that, that is my only memory. And on also one of my sisters who I was very close with, that's all we remember about sitting and reading with grandma was red letters in a book. We Interesting. didn't know that it was the Bible. Yeah. Um, it's so funny that the red letters oh, yeah. move out to you. It was just that one time we went and visited her and then we didn't see her for probably 15 plus years, well into teen years. So we really did not have any faith of anything in my household. You know, in fact, I was very, it's embarrassing to to admit this now, but I was very, I was always very vocal about my disbelief in God, Hmm. even from a young age, I remember. And I don't know exactly where that stemmed from. I just know that even as a young child, I, I was like, there's no way, there's just no way. So interesting. So your parents didn't, they didn't even vocalize unbelief. They just did no. just ne- it was just never nothing. a thing yeah. in any way, right. either for or against. Correct. Okay. But something rose up in you that was like, no. <laughs> yes. So honestly, I was known as an atheist or agnostic. Call it what you want. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't even believe in Jesus. I didn't actually know the difference in Jesus and God. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. understand anything. I had no context. So pretty much that was my belief for until I was 33, almost 33. I was just a month shy of turning 33 when Mm -hmm. I met Jesus in my living room. And, um, you know, I had explored other things that I thought were spiritual and whatever, but even that, something always felt inauthentic in Mm -hmm. it. Just something was missing. There was a puzzle piece missing. And one of the things I had always, I I remember very clearly from a young age, one of the reasons I always said I didn't believe in God was because if there's one creator and one source of everything, how could there be so many variations? Why don't we know the truth? Mm Because the truth is the truth and simple truths are simple truth. They don't need a lot of interpretation. And so I could never wrap my head around it. It It's like, well, if there's one creator or one source, why are there so many variations of religions and doctrines and all these yeah. things, right? And I could not really get past that or or rectify it in my mind, not yeah. get past it, but I couldn't really place it. Yeah. So fast forward to 2021, March of 2021, I was in a place where I had gone through a number of years of just sort of disconnecting from anything that I was attaching to, whether it be people or concepts or beliefs, anything at all, because nothing seemed to feel right in my soul. Mm. And I was doing a lot of just soul searching and like quieting of my mind and my outside, you know, influences, like people giving me their opinions and all kinds of things. I just really kind of shut down almost Mm. um, from the outside world because I just needed peace and quiet. And that was the way I felt I could find it. So I had just been doing a lot of soul searching, especially with COVID hitting, right? I just knew something was up, something felt off, and I started going a lot deeper. But I wasn't seeking God. I was just asking questions. Hmm. And the particular night, I remember I was asking myself, I was was frustrated because I was like, I just want to know the truth about why I'm here Hmm. in this world, walking around, (laughs) existing. Why is everybody here? There has to be a reason we're collectively 
here. It's not just to one day just die and that's it. There has to be something I'm missing. I know I'm missing something and I was very frustrated. Hmm. And I remember I was folding a blanket in my living room and I was just thinking these thoughts of, why am I here? Why is everybody here? What is the purpose? What is the reason? Yeah. I was. Fr- I remember being frustrated and I at one point I said, I just want to know the truth. I just want to know the truth. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my mind started going, well, what haven't I explored? And God <laughs> popped in my mind. And then I immediately started going, well, no, that can't be it because there's all these different religions, so that doesn't make sense. And then I heard a voice like in my subconscious mind, very authoritatively say, I am not religion. We are not the same. Do not confuse us. Hmm. And I just stopped mid folding my blanket. And I was just going, did I just hear that? (laughs) (laughs) But also in something in my soul knew that that was, I was asking for truth and I had just received it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Something in you knew that that wasn't your voice, that there was authority behind that voice. Mm -hmm. Really, it's like a Saul on the road to Damascus kind of moment, right? Where you're just kind of having this thing, and then all of a sudden, it's one thing to ask the questions, but finally, there's this encounter that at the core of you, you know, this is bigger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it stopped me in my tracks, and I sort of just stood there for a moment, and uh, I remember my whole body got really warm and tingly. (laughs) And I was having all these revelations in my mind really quick, like rapid speed Hmm. where I was, it was a conversation almost. It was like, I was saying, you're real, you're real. And it was just like, I kept repeating (laughs) that question in various forms. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't get an audible yes or no, but what I did was get an overwhelming sensation of love. Mm, that I have never experienced Mm. ever. I didn't even know it existed, which is probably part of the reason I I refuse to accept or believe in God because I didn't know that feeling could exist. Yeah, that's good. Then it was like rapid fire question and answer, question and answer, where I started ping-ponging in my mind kind of all these questions that I had had building up or these concerns about God or what I had heard, you know, just all these things basically just going off in my mind. And, and I remember distinctly at one point, it was sort of a, if you're real, then that means the devil has to be real. If you're real, then that means like two rocks and it collide in the sky and create us. You created us. Hmm. And that means you created me. Hmm. And it was, it was this internal dialogue with myself, but, but it wasn't just with myself because I was getting response in the form of like the overwhelming presence. Yes. Like, and, and the sensations of the, the heightened warmth and tingling all over my body would heighten when an answer would come in or, it was really incredible. And so at one point I was like, wait a minute, like, why am I here? We're here for you. You have us here for a reason and a purpose. I don't need to know the reason or the purpose. I just need to know it's for you mm-hmm. and that you've got me. And then I started going opposites. Every action has a reaction. <laughs> I started going my like my analytical mind, right? So then I was like, good and evil. You are good. There is evil. Like we're here for good. 
oh my gosh. And then I started to realize I was choosing a side at that Mm, point. Wow. Because unknowingly, I think I had been kind of dabbling in the other side. And that's where like my depression and anxiety that I Mm. had been plagued with my whole life and all these things really stemmed. And and maybe I can get into that like in a minute. From the time I was a teen, it was like pumping me with pills and you're broken. Basically, your brain is broken and all Mm, these things. And And so it became a moment of clarity for me. Like, I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an accident. Yeah. I didn't just appear here good. for nothing. Yeah, and I good. have a purpose now. Yeah, And so that was, uh, it was like mo- the night of March 3rd, 2021, mm-hmm. that I met Jesus in my living room. He met me. And he, <laughs> life has definitely mm-hmm. never been the same. I, I, I really got new eyes to see the world. I, I was... It's just not not eyes. It was it's everything. It was every sensation that I had ever experienced yeah. was like experienced brand new, fresh for the first time yeah. from that moment because I realized that God was real. It's almost like a whole new world opened up in my mind. I just love just how intimately God meets us, right? And I love that He did knit you together. And he's meeting you on your level, right? Mm-hmm. So he's meeting you in your living room with this frustrated, I just want to know what the truth is. And then, you know, and, and I, uh, there's a part of me that almost has this picture of him just kind of waiting, yes. watching and waiting. We're, we're talking about the Easter season's coming up, and I gathered some people from the congregation to just speak into, like, how do we want to experience this season. And Colin, one of the gentlemen in that meeting, and he said, you know, there's, there's something about watching and waiting. Us watching and waiting for the Lord and that anticipation. So Advent is that like mm-hmm. watching and waiting. And, but also that God as father is watching and waiting. He's like, I'm a dad and I'm watching my son and I'm watching him as a teenager and not wanting to talk to me. And I'm waiting mm-hmm. because when he's ready, I'm going to be ready. Yeah. And it's that that kind of loving, watching and waiting, waiting for when you're ready, mm-hmm. that he can come in and say, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and then that back and forth, there's that presence, but that back and forth, if you saw the progression of big to small, like global to personal. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here. There's a creator. Two rocks didn't collide. That means you, we're here for, you made me. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like that progression of, wait, you made me Mm -hmm. like, I am not a mistake. I am not an accident. I am not here for no reason. Like you love me and you have a purpose for me. Like so sweet, so tender. So then what? Like you're in your living room, you folded your blanket. You're like, what do you do with that? Like what's next? Uh, As best I can remember, because I, I was so overwhelmed with just revelation, really. Just, like I said, the whole whole new world opened up in my mind and I was so eager to explore. And I was like, oh, but my son's in the bath. I got to go get him out of the bath. I went back into mom mode, you know? <laughs> I don't even know. It was kind of a blur the rest of the night. I know at one point I put my son to bed and I know actually in that moment, I started typing in my phone as much of the things I could remember that, that was happening, that I was asking and receiving. Mm, that's good. I just started rapidly typing and actually interesting maybe the next day I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw this advertisement for like a local beach church in in San Clemente 
And I was like, I just had this incredible experience the other day, and now I'm scrolling past this beach church. I was like, you know, I'm scrolling past this beach church. So like, I'm going to check it out. This was the first time I ever went to church, was Beach Church in St. Clemente. And they happened to have an open mic. So I pulled out my phone of everything I wrote down when this was happening, and I read it out loud at the no beach way. church. Yes, That's amazing. I really did. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I lost part of it because uh, I had the notes open, and I clicked a button and accidentally highlighted and deleted. Oh, I was so bummed. But anyways... So I don't really remember exactly that night. I think I was just kind of trying to contemplate, did this happen? And kind of talking myself through it. Like, no, no, I'm not crazy. This happened. I remember the next day I called my sister. I said, I just need to preface this with, like, I'm not under the influence of anything. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something, but I really need you to understand. Like, I am not under the influence of anything This happened. And I told her the story, and I was like, please don't put me in a home. Like, I don't know what to do with this, but I need to tell someone, you know? She just talked about it with me, and it's just been such an incredible whirlwind. Especially the, the, the six months following were really an emotional roller coaster because mm. it was filled with these overwhelming waves of just realization that God has always been with me. And I would almost Mm. get these flashbacks of my life where I was in like a state of despair or loneliness or whatever. And I, now I could see God almost hovering over me, being there with me. Mm, Wow. And it really changed how I was perceiving some of those experiences that I Mm. realized were keeping me stuck in a dark place. Yeah. It, it was as if light was being shined on them. He was giving me an opportunity to relive them with the knowledge that he was there the whole time. Wow. And talk about healing, you know, like that was incredible. And it was, um, so it was like a solid six months where I was an emotional roller coaster, but in good ways, you know, it was just yeah. really healing. And then I would get these bouts of just overwhelm that I couldn't believe I was loved by God. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this person that to me, I had just met person, you know, but I was still, I didn't have any concept of what is God. I mean, I was literally exploring these questions for the first time in my life at, you know, 33 years old. And it was just, it was amazing. It, It still is amazing, but it was just really overwhelming in a lot of ways. So this happened in March in April of that same year, I met a mom in the park by my house at complete random. Mm-hmm. And she actually invited me to Mountain View. And Mountain View is the first church that I ever went to. And, mm. you know, that's when Pastor Todd was here. And he was just really amazing. And, and no yeah. joke, I I was a mess during every service. Mm-hmm. I would just bawl my eyes out because I was just, again, it hadn't set in yet, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. So it was a solid six months wow. of just a lot of tears and healing. There was some shame on my part, but the interesting thing is almost immediately if I would start to feel shame for things I had done and very apologetic to God and things like that, at some point he did tell me, you don't have to look at this with shame. Look at it more as I'm building you up for something. I don't know what he needs me for exactly still. I'm learning but basically, 
At one point, I remember he revealed to me, don't carry this with shame. Carry it with a sense of eventually someday that experience is going to play a big part in what I need you for. And that's redemption, right? That's who he is. That's his character. That's what he does. And it is a grand mystery because he doesn't need us, but he chooses to need us. God doesn't need me to pray to move on someone's behalf. And yet he is inviting us to partner with the intercession that's already happening. He's a father Mm -hmm. who wants to bring his daughter to bring his son. Come on. I need you to help me. No, you don't need me to help you, but you want me with you. That's the departure from religion versus relationship. That's the departure from the knowledge of God to knowing him. Mm -hmm. What you were encountering was you had all these years of, you know, maybe biblical or religious illiteracy, Mm -hmm. but now you're meeting Jesus, the person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) father, son, and spirit embodied, you know, encountering you. And now looking back at your life and looking all these things, good choices, bad choices, things done to you, not done for you, you know, all Mm -hmm. the things and his presence And then his love and his pursuit of you, and now you partnering with him is going to turn all of that around Mm -hmm. for your good and for his glory, right? And you testifying here and now is a piece of that because somebody is going to be listening to this and somebody is going to relate to what you're saying or somebody who has on where you were, Mm -hmm. this is going to be confirmation that they're not crazy. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, I had that same exp- Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> That's just so cool. Did you have a Bible? Did you go buy one? You know, at the end of 2020, I had this inkling to go and buy a Bible. And it was around the time where they were like not letting you into stores unless you had a mask. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to go out and... I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to buy this Bible. And I have no idea what prompted that because I had not <laughs> met Jesus yet. And as far as I knew in my my consciousness, I was not seeking the Lord because I did, I did not believe, remember? So <laughs> I have no idea to this day why this happened. But I even remember at the time going, I don't know why I'm doing this. But it was like I was dead set on getting the Bible that day. And walking in there with power and authority to go buy a Bible. Fascinating. I know. So I bought a Bible at the end of 2020, three, four months before I even encountered Jesus. And I still didn't believe at that time, but I bought that Bible. And by the time I met Jesus, I still hadn't opened it. I just went and bought it and it just kind of hung out in my house, in my bedroom. so funny. I know. It's like, uh, yeah. So that was, um, I did have a Bible at that time, but I hadn't opened it and explored anything. So when did you finally? Honestly, I don't think it was actually until I started coming to MVC in uh, like April of 2021, April or May of 2021. And it was mostly because some of the sermons, Pastor Todd would just, there would be these little Easter eggs that he would drop. And I was like, (laughs) I need to know more about that. What are you talking about? (laughs) Because again, I had... It's actually a beautiful blessing that God bestowed upon me. Like I was a clean slate. You know, I hear a lot of you know stories now about people who you know feel they've they've been done wrong or led the wrong way in church or or whatever, and uh, you know they're working through that. And for me, it's such the polar opposite because, which again is just a blessing because a pattern in my life, and I really think this was God's protection the whole time uh, to some degree. I've never attached to anything. 
Like, Hmm. even sports teams, okay? I've never had a sports team that I claim because to Hmm. me, it's a really big thing to commit myself to something because in my experience, the moment you claim something, then people try to put you in this box forever and it limits your ability to take on and process new information and potentially gain different perspective than you once held. And I've never liked that. I've never agreed um, with that for myself, that because when I was 13, I said this one thing. Now for the rest of my life, I have to do that, even though if at some point it feels wrong or I get new information, that, that contradicts. So I really had no concept at all of any kind of biblical teachings, even now when I'm talking sometimes, like... Uh, I'm definitely not the most biblically knowledgeable at all, but it is fascinating to me when I'll be talking about something in the form of like a context Mm -hmm. of something that God has shared with me. And then like you'll come in or someone will come in and go, oh, this reminds me of the woman at the well, which I think is exactly what you did that night. Yeah, I did. I had no idea about that story. And I I was bawling my eyes out to you saying, this is, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not sure what to do with it. And then you told me that beautiful story of the woman at the well. And then I went and read it in the Bible for myself. So that's kind of been how I've been trying to digest the Bible because it is very overwhelming for me because honestly, God reveals himself to me in in different ways. Yeah. And I feel a little vulnerable talking about it, but I'm going to because during your prayer class, you went over some things and, you know, it was really settling for me and helped me to even convince myself, I guess, that I'm not going crazy. Like, I know God's been talking to me (laughs) and revealing just, you know, just synchronicities. Things just seem to, you know, one thing will happen one day and then a few days later, something else will confirm it or I'll have this thought and then something will cross my path. And it's like, these these are not coincidences. And I don't want to dismiss the way God talks to me, even though if it's, it's unique and no one else has experienced it, I know that this is how God talks to me. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because God is father, son, spirit, equally God, but unique. And they have unique expression and role and voice. And, um, the word, the printed written word of God is um, inspired God's words, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's power in his words. And the Bible says in John that Jesus is the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So he embodied the fulfillment of God's word because this isn't unique. It's unique, I think, for a lot of us in the, you know, maybe who have raised in the Western evangelical world and, you know, everything's, we don't live in a culture that there's a lot of miraculous people having visions and dreaming dreams and God revealing himself in miraculously in that way. Um, we don't see that as much mm-hmm. in our circles, mm-hmm. in our kind of upper middle class church cultures, mm-hmm. you know. But in other countries, you know, um, in the Middle East, Muslims encounter Jesus in their dreams and mm-hmm. convert to follow him. And they've never seen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or or in China, or like there's places in third world countries where these kinds of encounters actually do happen regularly. This is one of the reasons why I love your story, because you are just minding your own business. Like you, the, you didn't seek this out. You're not. You're not seeking after some. You know the signs and wonders and miracles. Not the, the yes, signs, wonders, miracles happen. Mm-hmm. But we can, as humans, want to seek out these things. You are just a person 
who was hungry, like you knew something was wrong. You knew something was missing. You made a statement in your living room and Jesus in his kindness and his love came and spoke because he knew it was time. And then now his presence, God's presence, his Holy Spirit, his presence with you is a demonstration of his word. And then he's confirming that word through people through his written word through worship right so it's all working towards you and him yeah getting closer and closer Mm -hmm. and that's what he does (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean even for me it's like i did not i did not realize that this is how he operated i see my naive thought of god before i knew god myself for myself intimately was basically that he was this authoritative figure almost have you ever had a teacher in school where you're you're actually not sure if the teacher is intentionally trying to get you to fail or help you to pass oh, yeah, totally, okay right. that's kind of how i thought about god yeah, uh, before good. which was like this authoritative almost like hoping looking setting people up to test them with sin and see if they will fail or not yeah it's good and I realize now that there is there is a being that does that, but it's not God. Yeah, it's and good. <laughs> when I realized that Satan had been deceiving me, <laughs> making me think that that was God, like almost as if God was would be happy when when he could trick his kids into sinning. I know mm. it sounds really silly, but that was sort of my only experience where whether it be by interaction with people or even my grandmother, everything when it when God was mentioned was in a shaming way. Yeah. It was in a way to say, you're not living up to the yeah. perfection of God. And it's like, well, no, duh, because <laughs> I'm not God. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I get that that is a state of when heaven and earth comes to earth. And I get that we're, we're all coke. We're creating that, right? We're, we're all working toward that. But at this moment in time, the only perfect person was Jesus. Yeah. So it took me a while to, because I was a, like a big perfectionist, but in a very like self-abusive kind of way almost. Yeah, it's good. It took me a while to realize that that was something that was put on me. That was yeah. not something that was desired for me by God. Yeah, it's good. It's so interesting that you say that. And I think a lot of people have that distorted perspective of God as an authoritarian, Mm -hmm. almost sadistic in his Mm -hmm. setting you up and that kind of thing. And so it's fascinating too, that when you're in your living room and you make that statement, that voice has authority, but it's not that kind of authority, Mm -hmm. right? And so even in this moment, you're countering the difference. You're discerning the difference in those two voices, right? Mm -hmm. Which is so crazy. And and even to like when you were saying, like in prayer class, I know we had a conversation Mm -hmm. in prayer class because it was the week when we talked about the spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. and hearing God's voice and discernment and prophecy and all these things. And, you know, everybody has spiritual gifts and stuff. And I teach on discernment the following week because whenever you're hearing and things, it's like, how do you discern what's God's voice and Mm -hmm. what's not? And the the simplest form of that is if it contradicts what God says about himself and about us, which, you know, in the word, and then it's, he doesn't contradict himself, right? And what's fascinating is even before 
you started to dive into God's word, the Bible, he was already doing that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it, it, he was yeah. already doing that. So going back, I'm just going to, you know, my brain, I go in these squirrely places. But, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Okay, if Jesus was in the beginning, he is the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and him all things were created, all things. You know, that's mm-hmm. all those things. So he is the word, became flesh. And so he's already demonstrating himself and affirming and confirming and demonstrating that I will not contradict myself even without you having the physical word yet. Yeah. And that's how he moves and that's what he does. And I just love that. It's so beautiful and it's so powerful. Yes. I will be very honest. I thought for a little while that I was maybe losing it and maybe I was like coming up with stories in my head. Like it did take me a while. And when we talked about how do you know if it's from God, honestly, for me, it was asking without expectation, asking the question from a true genuine place in my heart without also going, okay, if you really are God, then do X, you know what I mean? As a test, it was, it was a genuine, because God knows our heart. And see, this is such a beautiful thing for me to come to accept and know, which is God knows our heart, even when it's imperfect, he loves us still. And always and through all of it. And for me, you know, I had some not good experiences with a lot of humans where, you know, they tell you one thing and then they turn around and do the other. There's a lot of deceit and manipulation. And so for me, I was very stubborn when it came to accepting that I, what God was putting on my heart, because I was like, how do I know I'm not being deceived again? Hmm, But just asking a lot of clarifying questions and then really not having an expectation of how he's going to show me or answer my prayers, but really just being open and knowing in faith that he heard me. That was enough, you know, to just know he is there always. He hears you. And uh, there's a 90s country song um, talks about like unanswered prayers. And that always, that kept playing in my head where it was like, we might call them unanswered prayers, but a lot of times it's really God's redirection or his protection. And I then I started realizing and I started getting more and more flashbacks of my of bits and pieces of my life where I genuinely thought for the majority of my life, I thought I was alone in this world fighting a force, but I had nothing to help me fight the force. Wow. See, that's the interesting thing. When I look in hindsight, I did not believe in God, but I did believe that there was something out there after me after you like opposing you (laughs) yes it was a big like paradigm shift for me to accept because again I could have the knowledge of something but I didn't really believe it or accept it so it was (laughs) still not really setting in for a little while but to accept that I that God was active and present and not passive where I could just say take all of this and I'm checking out and you're going to fix it all for me. And I don't have to have an active engagement in anything anymore. Yeah. Right. I realize that's not it at all because he is a good father and like a good father, he's not going to leave us to just our own devices and say, well, you're on your own kid. That's what my human parents did. God bless them. You know, like they did their best. I get that. It's not but that was what I grew up with. It's like, you're crying, go by yourself. Nobody wants to hear you or see mm. you or, you know, it was just a lot of like avoidance and dismissive and like isolation. Hmm. So 
for me, when I started going through more things after I was saved, it was really difficult for me to call on the Lord and and yeah. ask Him for help. You know, yeah, it was good. really difficult for me. And then to accept it when I could see that He was trying to help, but it was me who was going, how do I know this isn't deceit? How do I know I'm not yeah. being deceived right now? This seems... This seems to be working in my favor. I'm very skeptical, you know, like yeah. just things like that to work through is very, but all of those things are what reaffirmed for me that, um, like, you know, I am here for a purpose and not just an accident and Yeah, that it was okay to need help and especially to call on the Lord for help. Yeah, um, but good. it was a process for me yeah. to get through that. It didn't happen instantaneously. Yeah, for sure. I'm really glad that you brought that up because one of the things I always say, I think it might even be on my website with this podcast is part of the reason I wanted to do this is we were made for relationship, relationship with God and relationship with one another, but we bring all this baggage to those relationships, right? And so part of the maybe hardship of being in spiritual community or walking out this faith is learning how to be in healthy relationship mm-hmm. with God and healthy relationship with others. And in a way you've been on this, and which is kind of such a sweet gift, you've been almost on a fast track of just you and Jesus and you mm-hmm. kind of discerning those things. Like, okay, so this is how I experienced my parents growing up. I'm starting to bring that into this newfound relationship. I need to back that up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, yes. well, maybe I need to do that. But how often many of us as believers it's hard to even separate those out and to recognize where we're actually reacting in accordance with our hurt, our woundedness, our trauma or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when we're actually responding to who Jesus is and what he's saying. And the enemy is very manipulative and very cunning, right? And his his number one ploy is to sow doubt. His number one ploy is to sow that distorted view and that distorted understanding. Yeah, honestly, I feel like it was really just my focus since 2021 up until very recently has really just been getting like having a relationship with the Lord and basically asking him to reteach me as if I was an infant because I am. I was born again that night. And I did have to go through like a shedding period of of old thoughts, behaviors, things, yeah, just good. things, right? But that was also necessary and good. Um, And then at some point I started to realize, okay, so I've got my relationship with Jesus is good. We're like on a good path, no way perfect, but I feel like I'm really, I'm getting it. I'm calling on him. I'm going to him first, not last, you know, (laughs) like all these things. But then I realized he told me, he was like, okay, but you have to interact with people. Like it can't just be you and I (laughs) forever. Like the whole point is you interacting with other people now that you know me. Yeah, it's good. And I was like, oh, oh no, you know? So, um, that was sort of like, I don't know. I kind of look at it like new chapter in my, in, in the book of, of things that he's working on me with. And it's, it is vulnerable and scary to open up to new people. Yeah. But it's so different this time around. Because remember I told you I went through sort of an isolation period where mm-hmm. I just realized there was a lot of noise in my life. Yeah. And this was before I was saved, but but something that I've come to know since I've been saved is like when there's a lot of noise and you're trying to discern when God's talking to you and when someone else is, 
you've really got to like reevaluate that sometimes and go, okay, I don't think all of this is from God, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to be your own noise canceling (laughs) headphones almost, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to be the one to shut out the noise that is not from God. Like you, you play an active role in this healthy spiritual atmosphere that's in your mind and, and all around you. Yeah, that's good. You know, I don't think it's a passive relationship we can have with God. It's, no, it's very good. active. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what we're putting in it, we're, yes. we're getting out of it. Because it's relationship. It's relationship. There is no relationship yeah. that can survive one-sided. Right. It so, just can't, right? So, yeah, so good. So good. Yeah, and so for me, for someone who really had not had any healthy relationships except with Jesus, which man, talk about setting the bar high. <laughs> um, I mean, especially as a mom, you know, you st- I started to reevaluate everything I was doing with my son and it's just been a really wild, amazing, enlightening uh, experience. And I'm so grateful and humbled and blessed. And uh, now I feel like I am at a place where I feel strong to be able to go and talk to people who may, who don't know Jesus or do or wherever they may be and at least interact with them where I didn't feel yeah. that before. I yeah. felt very like nervous yeah. to open up to people or to like have conversations other than surface level. And so now I feel like I can actually maybe show myself who I am now in Christ to people in the world and I'm okay if they reject me or don't quite accept me that's not the intention and goal if I have a conversation with someone it's never it's never that it's just honestly if anything it's for them to know that just as they are they're loved and accepted by God too and Jesus even if they don't know it yet they're still surrounded and like wrapped in love yeah that's good and 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 that's that's been a huge thing for me is the unconditional overwhelming love of Jesus Mm -hmm. is you it sets a new bar and then you start looking at a lot of your intimate relationships differently and yourself like how am i embodying am i embodying what it what unconditional love from jesus feels like to me am i radiating that out yeah that's good that's a humbling when you're honest Mm. with yourself you're like absolutely not and it's a you know you got to check yourself and stay humble. Yeah, so good. Yeah, because we were having a conversation before we had lunch yeah, yeah. before this, and you were talking about someone in your life who is where you were, yeah. right? And who was like, no, that's not, you know? Yes. And and I just loved your heart in that because you were just like, I have so much empathy for this person because I've been there. Like, it's not my job to march in and tell him, judge him and tell him where he's wrong. It's my, I'm interceding for this man, you know, and his heart because Jesus loves him. Mm -hmm. And so for you to, because I think the temptation is to start correcting everybody, Mm -hmm. right? To tell, to try to do inner behavior modification mode. And I need to tell everybody how do they start, need to start behaving differently Mm -hmm. because of Jesus versus, and that's why the woman at the well is what came to me is that she didn't run to tell everybody what they should do. She ran to tell them who she met. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, come, come, you need to see the man who knew everything, you know? And I don't think it was, and I'm sure that what what she shared wasn't just that he knew stuff, you know, mm-hmm. there's fortune tellers, there's, you know, stuff, you know, all that stuff. But there was, there, she was seen. Yes. Right? 
Mm-hmm. She was seen, yeah. and probably for the first time in her life. Absolutely. So to be able to then, like you said, I love that word embody, to be embody, embody Jesus on earth. Yeah. And that is that has to be radically, unapologetically drenched in love. And we are terrible at it. We are. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit <laughs> is here to empower us to do that. Yes. And so what would it look like if we actually could lay aside our fears, lay aside our judgment, lay aside our offense, lay aside yeah. all of that and actually embody the fullness yeah. of his love? Yes, absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. It's almost as if in like the few days following me being saved that night, it's almost like I felt something activate inside of me, mm, right? Yeah. And I've, I've come to know now, um, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try, where it's like uh, when you are alive in your flesh, you're dead in your spirit. And when you're alive in your spirit, you're dead in your flesh. Hmm. I never even heard that until probably two months ago. Hmm. And, I w- and I've been kind of just mulling it over like, okay. I had always said it felt like something activated in me that night, right? My whole yeah, body was warm. My my perspective changed. I mean, even even the immediately the next day, I remember almost feeling like I was floating on a cloud because something happened the next day. I don't even remember what it was, but I know that normally I would get upset over it. And instead I was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Jesus well, at the time, I didn't know it was Jesus. I just was calling him God, but I was like, God is real. I know it's all the same thing, but I was like, God is real. This is this doesn't matter. This yeah, isn't. It's good. I don't want to get distracted by this m- minor, tiny little thing. Get all my emotions all riled up over it. I yeah. just learned like God just revealed Himself to me last night. I don't <laughs> care about any of this. You know what I mean? It was so. It was so interesting, but I, it really started like the next day, my perspective change of much bigger picture, right? Like you were saying earlier, it starts with realizing that I have an intimate relationship with God and I have to play an active role in that. And then that radiates out to the people immediately around me, which it has. My sisters come to know the Lord, my Mm. friend who grew up in a certain religion disconnected and then she's now coming to know the lord in a in a different way than what she was told yeah she always thought she had to have an intermediary yeah and she's learning well the veil was torn (laughs) right she's like wait a minute and then honestly it's and she's told me like it's because she's seen the radical change in my life like i've had people who let me tell you if somebody knew me prior to 2021 um they don't know me because i'm a i'm a different person and, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. But I've had people who've seen me like from the past and they're like, something's different. And I <laughs> say like, it's Jesus. That, yeah, that is good. the difference in who you may have known before, which is someone presenting from a place of ego and pride and hurt and fear and all these things to now really feeling like I walk in the world with spiritual armor and I'm not afraid in the I'm not afraid of the world. Yeah, Instead I see myself almost as like it sounds so silly, but it's this is how I explain it to my son is like, you know, God is everywhere all the time, all around us, right? And we're in this portion representing him. 
And everywhere we go, like we spread light and we have a choice to spread light or to participate in dark or keep it dark. And, you know, I just feel almost like a flashlight walking through this Mm -hmm. really dark space. And it's like, wherever I choose to beam my light, it's going to stay lit forever. And now the darkness can't exist there. So if I just keep beaming my light every time I interact or doing my best to, because trust me, I fail miserably all the time. But um, for me, I need the visual that I am... I am the light because Christ dwells within me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so if I'm doing a disservice to someone else or to myself or belittling myself, I'm really doing that to Jesus. And it really helps me to keep those old habits and thoughts and things like that at bay because I realize it's not all about me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, again, a really humbling thing to come to the realization of is that there's a much bigger purpose here. There's a much bigger purpose here. And I think too, the, the, the freedom to know that the end result isn't your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like that, that has to be through the power, you know, that's Jesus is the one who does the miracles. Mm -hmm. It's through the power of the Holy spirit, but the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Right. But it's not you who, um, saved your sister or mm-hmm. saved your friend, but it is the power of Christ in you yeah. that introduced, that led them, that brought them, that demonstrated that to them, that invited them, that set the table for them mm-hmm. so that they can encounter that very same Jesus and that very same resurrection power, Yeah, which is so rad. Yeah. And, and honestly, just completely unintentional because I used to make my sister promise me she wasn't going to put me in a, in a, a home thinking that I was crazy for, yeah. I'm not joking, a, quite a few months. She, you know, I was like, this is really happening and I, do, I really don't know what to do with all of this. It was yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I was getting like downloads all the time. So it was, it was really overwhelming, but I think, you know, yeah, definitely her being kind of eyewitness to, to me being saved and then what like sort of followed after and the radical change in my life, but in all of the best ways where it's just yeah. really raw and I wasn't afraid, you know, I wasn't, a, that was interesting because for someone who would operate with high anxiety previously, like myself, I wasn't actually afraid. I was curious. Mm-hmm. I was more like, Okay, if God is on my side, or I'm on his side, and some of us are here for the good, like, I don't want to waste another day questioning or not taking action to try to spread the good news. Yeah. You know? But, to your point, I did realize at some point... It's not my responsibility to convince people of Jesus. It's my responsibility to do the best I can in my imperfect ways to try to demonstrate what living a life with Jesus looks like. Yeah. And I think if anything, that's probably what people have seen the biggest change in is the way I carry myself. Because in some ways, I'm just blissful. I just feel like knowing that I have the unconditional love of God And I didn't even know that that existed because that's really what I was running from and avoiding all those years I was denying God. Yeah. I could not fathom in my human brain that there was a such thing as unconditional love because I had never experienced it until I met Jesus. Yeah. So good. So it was just not, it was not a thing that I could comprehend. Yeah. And then once I experienced it, I started seeing it in all these different ways that 
didn't look like what I thought it would look like. Yeah, that's good. for me, trying to exercise that with other people in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. like people who are unbelievers in my life and... I don't, I didn't want them to have the same experience with a Christ follower that I, you know, had from other people where it was a lot of shame, like shame on you for not knowing God, shame on you for not knowing Jesus. And I don't ever want anybody to feel that way. It's not productive anyways. And that's definitely not what Jesus would say or do. So, well, Courtney, I just thank you so much for your willingness to share your story and to be so transparent and vulnerable And um, I just, I bless you in your pursuit of him. I bless you in your, your love and your attention. You have such a purity in, and integrity in your hunger for him and hunger for revelation and, you know, truth. And the Lord is going to exponentially, I think, um, use that. And I don't mean that it's so funny because I'm really careful when I say God's going to use me or use you because I, I interviewed someone, Zach Neese. Great podcast episode out there if you want to go listen to it. God really convicted him once when he was praying the prayer of the Lord. It just, I just want you to use me. And, and the Holy Spirit was like, I don't use people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to use you. I want to know you, you know, and, and um, it's semantics. You know, so I, I think for him, it was the Lord was getting at the heart of what he was praying and really inviting him close. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I want to be careful with using that word. But at the same time, um, part of, like we talked about earlier, the redemption is that all of who he made you to be, who he knit you together to be, the things he's placed in you, the way he's formed you, and the things you've experienced and walked through now um, submitted to his presence and his lordship mm-hmm. are going to, in this place of redemption, be a light on a hill that that shouts out his glory and who, his purposes and who he is. And in that way, you, you are. You are going to be a beacon. You already have been, and you're going to continue to be. And that doesn't mean pressure. That doesn't mean perfection. It just means um, surrender mm-hmm. and dependence. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see how God moves in and through you. So that's a very long-winded way to say <laughs> I bless you and I thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you for your blessings. Well, before we rush off uh, to the rest of our day, I just want to take a moment to pause. There's something that's been stirring in um, our church community, and I don't think it's just isolated there. It's this, this call to contending intercession, battling in the spirit on behalf of friends, family, the world. What are the things, who are the people that we're contending for? And we're in a time in the world that it is time. It is time for the bride of Christ to step up and to pray and to intercede and contend for the Courtney's of the world, for the people who don't know the good news. They don't know that there is a God who sees them, who knows them, who loves them, who knit them together, who's called them, and who is pursuing them. 
And so rather than a self-examined moment, this is a moment of intercession. Ask the Holy Spirit who you can be contending for. Who can you be interceding for? And take that person, those people before the Lord in prayer. The beautiful thing is that Jesus is already praying. We're simply joining the intercession that is already at work. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so there is a warfare that's happening and we want to pray and we want to see a revival. We want to see more Asbury's. We want to see people encountering Jesus like Courtney did, not with huge crusades, but with these powerful moments of revelation. So I just challenge you to pray and to look, have eyes to see and ears to hear where the Spirit's moving to, like Courtney was talking about, be sensitive to the people who don't know the Lord around you and love them well. Be a radical demonstration of His love and His glory. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, we pray for the lost, the people who don't know you, the people who don't have hope, the people who don't know that you, the God of the universe, are pursuing, are relentless in your love, and that you've gone to great lengths to reconcile us back to yourself. Father, would you move mightily in our homes, in our jobs, places, Lord, in our spiritual communities, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our country, in the world, Father, um, we do pray for a revival, an awakening, a returning to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast. If you would like more information about Stockton Ministries or me, Gina Stockton, you can visit us at ginastockton.com. If you would like to make a donation, a tax-deductible donation to support the production of this podcast and other projects like Dwell, you can make a tax-deductible donation by going to ginastockton.com slash donate. And if you love this podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends, and write a review and rate us on whatever platform that you are listening to this on. And if you're listening on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, you can just click the like button and subscribe. I hope you have an amazing week and that you know that you are seen, that you are known, and you are loved. Until next time, in the sacred space.